You got the chill. The chill, chill, chill. Everybody's ego takes a shot on this show. This is Rutledge and Hamilton with Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton, presented by Coors Light on 100.5 ESPN. This is going to be a predictable disaster with Jordan Love in Green Bay. Broadcasting live from the Everlight Solar Studio with Matt Hamilton, here's Jim Rutledge. Who's that, some Bears fan blogger? That guy works for CBS. That was Adam Shine, CBS, with that take. (laughs) So some Bears CBS fan blogger? I don't know. I don't think... So said he was from Chicago. Maybe he yes. might not. That was a that's a spicy take. You can get into the show eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six. He's Matt Hamilton. I am Jim Rutledge. Just Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. It's the Mountain Blue. You know what to do. And that's crush a Coors Light. I like it, Matt. You are. I think this rivalry is back, baby. I just I love. Like, cool history and the fact that this is, like, one of the oldest rivalries in sports. I love that there's a little juice around it now. It It's a little bit of a bummer because, objectively, the Packers have taken a step back as far as quarterback play is concerned. We don't know how, if he's going to get back there or not. But, like, for now, we objectively took a step back. So, we're on just, like, the same playing field as the Bears. We've got a, a I don't know quarterback. Bears have a little bit better idea than the Packers do, but we're going into a season where it's not a guarantee that we're getting that W at Soldier Field like it's been for the last three decades. Which I think is a good thing overall. It yeah. doesn't mean the Packers are not going to still be a good football team because there's two parts to it. Chicago is out of a ton of pieces, and with Justin Fields' elite running ability, all he really has to do is be... If he last year I would say he's a below average passer, he was inconsistent. If he is average this year, then he's Lamar Jackson. And so you don't have to take yeah. a big jump there because he's got already one thing that's elite in his running ability. And now they've added more players. And even if he improves slightly, he's still going to be at a maybe he would I think the Athletic had him as the 22nd best quarterback. Could he get to the 15th best quarterback? Possibly last yeah. last year. I mean year. the rushing that 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 like <laughs> If he if they lean into it a little bit and obviously try and work passes in, but still like know where their butter where their bread is buttered, I, I think the Bears are going to be pretty good. It's just going to be one of those things: are they going to protect Justin Fields and his longevity, or are they going to use his athleticism as best they can while he has it? Well, so. I think they'll try to balance that out. And honestly, the biggest thing with Justin, if you watch him regularly, is more consistency. He can make some amazing throws. He has the ability. <laughs> Sounds like Jordan Love. Right, but I mean, for uh, Justin Fields, they have to see him consistently make the right throw and right reads because he's capable of doing it, but it's inconsistent. But for an example, though, Jalen Hurts, I think, was twenty somewhere between 20 and 23 last year on the athletic tier of quarterbacks. He finished uh, this year. He's like top 10, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a jump. Also, for the Jordan Love side of things, where he's starting, which is in the bottom tier and near the bottom, that's where just that's where uh, Patrick Mahomes started. That's where Fields started, and he moved into three. Mahomes obviously all the way into one. So starting Love at that bottom tier doesn't mean he'll stay yeah. there forever. It just means this year could be a struggle. But regardless, it does seem like Detroit and Minnesota on paper look like teams that are more likely to 
have a ceiling of 10 to 11 wins and a floor of 7. And Chicago and the Packers probably look at a ceiling of 9 wins and a floor of like 6. Well, I guess Packers four. maybe have a lower floor because we don't know what Jordan Love is. It could be I'm a, thinking, like, yeah, four. I, I, the worst I can see the Packers doing is like 3 wins. But I think this rivalry is back. We asked that question yesterday, 844-770-3776, and you can chime in on today. Is the Bears-Packers rivalry back? Now, maybe it's not back for good. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, is it back Right now, this season, I think it is. But then you also had uh, Mercedes Lewis down in Chicago now. Yeah, you have uh, obviously Equinemius St. Brown isn't one that Packer fans miss, but you have uh, you have uh, Luke Getze down there as well. Yeah, so you're adding Lucas Patrick. You're adding these former Packer players, offensive linemen that played uh, a lot of snaps yep. at center for the Packers. So you add all these things in addition to. Clearly Packer fans. And then players chirping. Right, like, players are chirping. I love that. I love it when Cole players Clement. are getting into it because, honestly, the players having bad blood is what makes the rivalry fun for fans. If you know the players are really passionate about that rivalry, yeah. and I think that has a lot to do with it. And we have seen some chippy Packers and Bears this Be- offseason. Because the other part, look, this is even jokingly, but Cole Komet, his sister is either engaged to or is long-term dating Lucas Van Ness. Yeah. So there's that part of it, too. But here's where it, here's where it changes. We all fully agree that Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre owned the Chicago Bears. And I, I will maintain this, and I think statistically it's backed up. I actually think Brett Favre owned the Bears more than Aaron Rodgers did, especially when you look at the fact not – I'm not telling Ryan looks up the wins and losses. The Bears teams were better oh, okay. when Favre was there. So having a really good record against a better Bears run when Lovey Smith was coaching that team is more impressive. Well, Lovey bled into both sides. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, Aaron got a lot of Mark Tressman and John Fox and Matt Nagy. I mean, he got a lot of crap that he got to really reap in and, and have a lot of fun with. He still owned the team. Right. I'm just saying the Bears also self-owned themselves a little bit. So I would say if I was naming the person that was in my uh, side in my you know the thorn in my side throughout my Bears fan fandom right. is Brett Favre because okay. he was the one ending like real seasons. The Bears were very up and down after Lovey left. Yeah, plus like your late twenties, early thirties that matters more too. Yeah, it matters more. You probably didn't have kids. Like your kids were either like you're young at that point. You probably didn't, you didn't even have kids at that point when Brett Favre was. Yeah, correct. Correct. It's <laughs> so yes. like. All you had to focus as a focus on was your wife and your football team and your right. career, right? right like, yes. You had you weren't spread out. You're right. spread too thin now. You got carbon. Yes. You got all. You got kids. You yeah. got a dog. House pressure. pressure. Yeah. All that pressure. Yeah. But exactly. You did you look something up? So I did Google yeah. it. Uh, Brett Favre in his career versus the Bears. Now I don't know if this also includes when he was with the Vikings. I imagine it does. But he was 23 and 13 was his record all time versus yeah. the Bears. Aaron Rodgers. 24 and 5. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's saying that he owned the Bears, all of that. That was even compared to Brett Favre, he owned a bigger share yeah, in the yeah, Bears but, stock than Brett Favre. But my point is the Bear, the Bears record during the, the that true, time overall. True. So that's the Bears where I, were okay, probably so better teams. I would say the, the Bears record hmm. under the Aaron Rodgers era was likely worse okay. than it was under the I could also, Brett Favre era. So you can look into that I'll part of that it cuz well. that's where for my eye test and I'll have the statistics to back it up. I test wise, Lovey Smith was a sixty percent clip winning football games with the Bears. So I don't believe the Bears have gotten back to that point at all without Lovey Smith. But to the point of this, what 
what I was trying to get to is that the king is gone. He was the latest owner of the Chicago Bears and Aaron Rodgers. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And it now creates an opportunity where Chicago players and the fans think we have a chance. And look, they were feeling that last year anyways coming into this year because Aaron looked, and I did not feel like that, but the players are starting to feel like, hey, we're on the come up and right. Green Bay is aging. Now Green Bay is now trying to switch that. They're being they the, switch, they've basically got a, the youngest team in football now. they got a young team. I, don't, I mean, Chicago might be younger, but I, 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 I don't know for sure. But I do want to point out, we did ask a question, has the Bears-Packers rivalry been rejuvenated by the QB change to Jordan Love? Your Adam Mercedes Lewis might have put the Bears over the edge. <laughs> 54. And for me, it's funny. It's a Bears fan. I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, he's a nice veteran. He's an inline blocker. Oh, they, oh, they have Bob Tunyon, too. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, man. That's right. So their tight ends are Cole Komet, Bob Tunyon, and Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> but 54% of you say yes. It's back? That's good. I mean... I'd like to see that a little higher. I think we by the end of the show, I'd like to see that like 60%. King Troll uh, continuing not to listen. Jesus, the rivalry's back because of Mercedes Lewis, that can name is St. Brown and Getze. I think I just did a big, long soliloquy while the rivalry's back, and that's because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is gone. And so when you're the owner of the team vacates and Aaron Rodgers, there's a gap there. Now, maybe Jordan Love fills it. And... I don't even know, but I do feel like this rivalry is going to be close. Like, here's what I've said all year. I, honestly, the first game of the year, I hate these two teams are playing the first game of the year because Packer fans have seen this, everyone's seen this. It's such like an aberration and such a weird non-indicator of what the year is going to be because there's so many different factors to it. I think the last game of the year between the Bears and the Packers is going to be mean something. Now, it could be deciding second and third place. It could be deciding third and fourth place. But I do think it's going to have some skin in the game. And that game's going to come down to it of like, hey, the, whoever wins this finishes the year 8-9 and nine and can now feel better about themselves going into the, into the offseason. Right. That's where I honestly the, feel like that's where it's going to be I like, like the, at the end of the year. I do really like the bookended season. It kind of, it's I just all, don't like game one. It's such a I like shoot. it because it's a big rivalry game. Yes, it is a crapshoot, but like you're kicking off the season with a rival. Like, that, that's fun football. And regardless of like the situation, you're both kind of going in blind-ish to, uh, to a new team, a new season. And by the end, when you get to play that last game, you really get to see kind of where you stack up at the end. So you kind of get to see this like blind beginning of not really knowing each other, almost maybe feeling each other out for that first game. And then by the end of the season, we're going to see – Either the the best version of the Bears or the best version of the Packers, or you're going to see like shells of teams depending on injuries. It's it's just a fun way to like look at the team, and you can look at the season as a whole by having like the the like the same team being played on bookends of the season. I think it's fun. Eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six. Do you like that the Bears and Packers are kicking off the season? But also, we're asking you: Is the rivalry back, Ryan? Do I think it's back? Yeah. I don't think it went anywhere, to be honest, Jim. I feel like there's always been a ton of acrimony in this rivalry. I think I agree with you. Do you think it took a backseat to the Packers-Vikings for the last... No, I've I've never felt that, that, personally. I've always felt the Vikings were the second enemy of the Packers, personally. So here's here's the case I'll make for it, that it's been laying dormant. Like, any time, like, just for an example, when Mitch Trubisky had a a, uh, horseshoe in a place where the sun doesn't shine and the Bears won a lot of games. Because <laughs> that was clearly, obviously, a, a lucky season there. Packer fans are mad. Big mad. 
Yeah. Because the Bears ended the yeah. Packers season that year. They were going, like, look the, at me last year. I was like, the Vikings aren't as good as their record. Like, I was big mad right. about like the situation but, last year. But extra mad. Because it's the I'm Bears. I'm biased, though, because a lot of... Yeah, yours is personal because your friends are... My personal yeah. group is Minnesotan right. people. So, I am curious, though. Is there a secondary question that that's worth getting to? Well, let's get a little bit closer to the season on that one today. Mm. So let's because I think it's I think it's more I think it's always like dormant. It is the most story like most storied rivalry in NFL football, right? And so it's yeah, just the last... when the Bears are the, the problem is that the Bears have not been consistently good. But when they are good, Packer fans get in their feelings about it. The Packer fans <laughs> loved seeing Jake Cutler eat it. We still use smoking Jay Cutler right. as a as a phrase but for there was I also, don't care in my like football group chat. But <laughs> the anger and the vitriol and the love of seeing him fail was that you were concerned he was going to be good because he was very good in Denver. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's happening now with Fields. There's a, a lot of like anger that. and vitriol towards Justin Fields, and it's clearly from a place that See, there's Justin, a chance he could be good. I've never seen anything from Justin Fields. At least Jay Cutler did have his like sulky, feel-bad-for-me moments where you're like, oh, it's easy to hate that guy. Yeah. I haven't seen any of that from Justin Fields yet. I, I would love for him to do something and be like, yeah, I don't like him. But right now, he seems like a pretty good dude with his Well, I'd be more of shoulders. like, ev- you know, everyone is well, yeah, out of the like, way to, to rip him. Uh, okay, I, I will wait to yeah. go out of the way to rip him until yeah. I have good reason to. That's I, fair. I think that's how you can tell that Packers fans are starting to feel that again. Is that I feel like a lot of Packers fans on Twitter do go out of their way to like point or like make a joke about Justin Fields, like a video of somebody like missing an easy throw. They say, "Oh, look at Justin Fields trying to throw a loaf of bread to his friend." Right, and the Bears are doing like the same thing to Jordan Love. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, the, you, you brought up that uh, him throwing it into the net. I think uh, Jordan Love, right, where they try right. to make it a big yeah. deal. Yeah, every yeah, and, but, everyone like tries to take. But my Love. Chicago timeline is full of all the times that Jordan that Jordan Love misses. Yes, the net. yes. <laughs> and then my Packers timeline because I follow both Packers and Badger people. The, or Bears people and Badge people, but the Packers timeline is full of all his great throws. So honestly, I feel like I get the most amount of information. It's just biased heavily on either side of oh, Chicago right. fans loving to dunk on him yep. and Packer fans loving to build him up with Jordan Love. Yep. And honestly, you see pretty equal amount of both of nasty throws and great throws. Or I would say, I guess nasty in a good way, nasty in a bad way from Jordan Love. <laughs> I've seen both. There's been some woof throws from him, and there have been some amazing dimes, if you will. Yeah, so, they're at the end of the preseason or the family night game that he threw to the back of the end zone. I yes, think, uh, Christian Watson. That was that, that was, was a great throw. Uh, that was one of his best throws of camp. Uh, the ball he threw to Musgrave though in the middle of the field that everyone's talking about. Musgrave kind of had to slow down and turn around to catch it. So it wasn't a perfect pass. It honestly, so. looked to me more of a positive for Luke Musgraves because that dude is such a beast that. He was just running free uh, like a gazelle in the middle of the field, <laughs> but Jordan threw it late and behind him. A now, lot like the Luke Christian was able Watson. to easily turn and get it and go with it, so it didn't matter, which is why you know why playmakers matter, right? But it was not. I mean, Aaron hits him, and Luke's still running. Like Luke does not have to stop <laughs> to catch that catch that ball. That's what separates the great quarterbacks from the good ones, or the average ones, yeah. Yeah, Being absolutely. guys room to run. And it's consistency on it. So that actually leads us to our secondary Iron Jack poll question we'll throw out to you right now on the uh, as we go to break here. Which unproven player excites you the most? And, Ryan, what players did we set, uh, settle on? So the four that we have here are wide receiver Jaden Reed, the second-round pick from Michigan State, then tight end Luke Musgrave, the second-round pick from Oregon State, 
D-lineman Devontae Wyatt, their 2022 first-round pick, uh, the one before Quay Walker, actually. And then the final one is new quarterback Sean Clifford for Penn State, who, according to all reports, is absolute gamer and was one of the most encouraging players this Packers preseason, maybe? Well, we'll find out on Friday because I would imagine he's going to play a lot. So we'll see what yeah. Sean Clifford is. It's his homecoming game. He's a Cincinnati kid. There you go. Usually trash quarterbacks in the Big Ten don't become good quarterbacks in the NFL, but who knows? Yeah, Tom I Brady, mean, right? Tom Brady. And Drew Brees. Drew Brees, Drew Brees was not trash. What, Drew, Tom, are you saying Tom Brady was trash? Oh, no. I, Michigan? I, oh, no, I don't I think he was trash. No, I said trash. Like, Sean Clifford Sorry, was trash I thought you were just mentioning oh, okay. Big Ten quarterbacks. No, no, yeah, me too. No, no, no. no, no, no. Yeah, same. Sean Clifford was trash in the Big Ten. He was not a good quarterback in the Big Ten. Tom Brady wasn't either. At his time at Michigan, true. Yeah, he was Drew very Brees average. Was great. Yeah, yeah. at Purdue. for sure. True. True. So, this is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. Cause I love you. Question, what young player for the Green Bay Packers, what unproven player, young and unproven player for the Green Bay Packers, has you most excited this preseason? I am voting for Luke Musgrave. I believe he's going to win in a landslide, but Jaden Reed has 18% of the votes, and Devontae Wyatt has 36% of the votes, zero votes so far. For Ryan Warsham's guy, Sean Clifford. He's Matt Hamilton. I'm Jim Rutledge. We're live from the Everlight Solar Studio. Get into the show, 844-770-3776. You don't have to use those if you're chiming in on it, but feel free to chime in on which of those young players has you most excited this preseason. And uh, we'll also take your calls on the Bears-Packers rivalry. Is it back? I think it's back. Ryan doesn't think it's back because he said it never left. No, it's it's been it the number one. It was dormant. There was not juice behind it. Like I, I guarantee you, for let's say the last, just looking at the Bears record here in the last since they were last relevant would been four years ago. They're twelve and four. I'm seeing so the last four years. I guarantee you, a Minnesota ticket would be more expensive at Lambeau Field to purchase. Like if you were scalping it than that Bears ticket. I, I agree with you that the Vikings were probably better during that time, but I've always felt that, me personally as a Packers fan, I always had way more energy and dislike any time they played the Bears, and it mm. meant more to me. If the Bears beat the, the Bears. Packers at any point, it's going to sting more than the Vikings beat yeah, the exactly. Packers. Well, it, the only reason it didn't happen The much. only reason I felt True. like that might be the case, yeah, is because I, it was so much more unlikely. The sting from the Viking fans, because I... Surround myself with Minnesota I people, and, which is a me problem. That's, that's a me problem, but it it that is not fun. I think the one time I felt that maybe the Vikings rivalry was stronger was after uh, they broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. I think it was uh, who was it who uh, knocked Anthony Barr? Oh, I would have yeah. gone with yes. I would have gone with Favre. Oh, Favre. When Favre oh, when went Favre to Minnesota, okay, that might have kicked it up to the level. Yeah. Anthony Barr, I think, just signed with the Saints today. He did just sign with, with the Saints Hunt. today. But I remember when that first happened, there were a lot of Vikings fans trying to like use that as a meme or like uh, dunking on Packers fans with 
Aaron Rodgers having his collarbone broken by Anthony Barr. And that, to me, was the time where I felt the highest level of dislike for Vikings fans. I was a little too young when Favre was still the quarterback. What about Shea there. McClellan? But he was not he was not rude about it. Shea McClellan? He broke. Oh, when he uh, broke Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yes. That, once again, I think, what was that, 2012? That was a pretty clean play, and I don't think he did anything afterwards yeah. either. Like, Barr kind of made a... Uh, a jerk of himself. And it was the, the amount yeah. of like memes or reusing the image that Vikings fans did on Twitter. That's what really upset Well, and me. I'm never for that. I did not do any of that. When McClellan broke Rogers' collarbone. Like, that stinks. Like, you don't yeah. want to see some guy break his collarbone. I mean, it's better than like a torn ACL or something, but still. Uh, not not a not a fan, not rooting for injuries uh, with any of this stuff. Honestly, like the obviously preseason coming up here, that's my biggest concern for any of the teams. Yeah. I just don't want to see the star players go down with injury. I mean, look at how much people freaked out when and thought Joe Burrow had maybe torn his Achilles, and all it was was like his calf cramped, right? Wasn't that? Yes. What it was? Well, no, he's the calf strain. Yeah, he's calf gonna strain? miss some time, which okay. is uh, more significant than like a cramp. Oh yeah, first. I mean, okay. yeah. Well, we remember Aaron Rodgers had to deal with that for a season, I believe. Okay. There yeah. Was a, there was a year that he was struggling with that throughout. Matt, can we put down the project you're working on and join the show? We're so close. We're so and close. Then here, you Jim. can come back. Now it's a project related to the show. It is, but. Uh, can you chop, uh, chime in on the uh, Iron Jack poll question and which one of these young, unproven players are you most excited about? Or you can chime in with someone else. Uh, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Devontae Wyatt, Sean Clifford. I mean, my real favorite is Lucas Van Ness because I'm just pumped for what he's going to be Let's able go. to do. We don't have him, obviously, on that list. But uh, so those let's guys... Wait, let's explore that more. I honestly have not seen much good or bad on Van, Van Ness. Is there – what is the, the buzz around him? We can for ask Jason Wilde like, about that later. but For me, it was just like the – when I actually looked his size and stature, oh, I thought no. he was a, oh, yeah. like not as big as he was. I'm, it's super exciting. And with what we have as pass rushers, and to me, the defense is going to win us games this year. The Packers' offense, I feel, is probably going to be capped out right around 24, 27 points. That's like a really great game, I think, for that offense. The defense is going to have to keep teams under like 17 points to like uh, definitely 20 to win games. So I think I'm really looking forward to this defense this year because I think they know that they have a lot on their shoulders. Jordan Love is not going to be Mr. Consistent, and that's fine. We're, we're, we're not expecting him to, but we are going to need the defense to be Mr. Consistent. It, it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers last year, and for all the seasons prior to that, it was Aaron Rodgers. You need one consistent piece to be a relevant football team and I think we're banking on the defense and I love the way our pass rush looks. And I don't I, I So that's I don't, why I'm excited you know, for Lucas Van Ness. And I don't disagree with that. I'm literally I haven't seen anything that's to support that though. But I'm not seeing anything to, <laughs> to dis- I say that purely purely because the guy is a freak show but specimen. I, I've yep. seen nothing to disprove it either. Mm-hmm. Like when you see these stock up, stock down things or rising and falling in camp, his name hasn't shown up. So I don't know if he's just Always crushing it, or I literally you mentioned it. I'm like, oh yeah, their <laughs> first round pick. <laughs> What's he doing? We'll have to ask Jason. We'll do that because that's a great question. I man. haven't like all the family night stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all Jordan Love things or Christian Watson. The defense doesn't get enough credit, obviously, but and I've seen a little bit of buzz on Wyatt because I think people are hoping he takes. Yep. He was not good. He was bad last year for a first round pick, so they're hoping he right. starts earning that draft first position. round Georgia pick. Yes. Uh, so they're hoping he starts earning that draft position. So that said, that of our players that we did pick out there, I am so excited to potentially have a tight end again. Like I love the Robert Tunyon season where he was a target. 
Uh, I miss, like, Jermichael Finley. I remember back when I was a kid in the Bubba Franks years, even Mark Chamura. Like, I dig when the Packers have a good big guy, and I think tight end football is something that— 6'6", 252. Yeah, like, that's encouraging, right? Like Guy can move. We might have, like, a real, real threat at tight end, and that's just another piece that I think Rodgers would have loved, but Jordan Love is going to have a— a lot of good options if some of these receivers turn to pan out or get improved the way that we expect them to. Here's why Luke Musgrave has the potential to be a real steal. But he also, because he's got a, a big, what's the word? I guess wart concern. He played two games as a freshman, six as a sophomore, uh, and then 10 as like the bonus sophomore year, and then he played two last year. That's not, that's not a lot of games. That's not a lot of games. So. Injuries have been the story of his career. But you get to the NFL, you have better training, you put more time into it. Right. But even if he plays 13 games a year, that's still a pretty big win for it. I think you always have to take productive games. Yes. So he could, he has all the elements to be a steal because Mm -hmm. the the steal aspect of it was he was an oft injured player in college and he is now a healthy, explosive player in the NFL. And that's not an unheard of story. Right. But like that's why he fell where he fell. And I mean, we have an opportunity we had an opportunity to get a big tight end and here we are. Green Bay. Look at all these weapons that we're trying to put around Jordan Love. They might be raw and they might be unproven right now, but you know, all the best tight ends and wide receivers ever were raw and unproven at one point. So hopefully some of these guys hit. Musgrave Abs- might be a big one. Absolutely. And, again, I mean, even a little bit with Watson, part of it was where he went to school with Christian Watson, but he also played in 10 games in 2020 and 12 in 2021. I think they usually play 16 games down there. So, again, not playing full seasons the last two years. But that combined with his where he played his college ball and his age had Watson fall a little bit, but he seems like a steal. Yeah. So Musgrave could be very, very similar in that aspect. And if you're looking for a steal, you can find delicious, delicious beer like Line of Kugels for a steal of a price. <laughs> Line of Kugels, they, for close to 155 years, Liney's has had stayed true to the Jacob Line of Kugels vision for combining German, German brewing traditions of their homeland with the innovative spirit of his new home here in Wisconsin. Today, you'll find that spirit alive and well in their wide range of German-inspired beers, from Shandies to IPAs, Weiss to Box, the Line of Kugels Juicy Peach, all the way to the lemon, Honey Lemon White. You can't go wrong. There's a flavor for every moment. I prefer the lemon honey light when I'm out on the boat, and I love the Northwoods Amber Lager when I'm sitting around a campfire here in the summertime just enjoying my time off of curling. Whatever your moment is and whatever your beer flavor is, Lion of Kugels has your back. Go get it wherever you get delicious beers, and remember, you must be 21 years or older to enjoy. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts. Jason Wildey will join the show next segment. He's a winner. If you want to be a winner, go to Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Biggest win so far this year, $248,000. Almost $249,000. Largest win last week, $43,000. July jackpots, nearly $12 million. And just last week, jackpots, nearly $3 million. Go be a winner. 
Go to Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. This is Rutledge Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. He's Matt Hamilton. I am Jim Rutledge. It's Mountains Blue. You know what to do. And that's Crush, a Coors Light. Maddie, you get your homework done? Yes, I got my homework done in the break. Just, just in the nick of time. I have the winning percentage of the Bears during the Favre era mm-hmm. and the Rodgers era. Yep. They were very close. Actually, Favre played 208 games against the Bears regular season. Uh, Rodgers played 210 games. Or, excuse me, rephrase. The Bears played 208 games during the Favre era. The Bears played 210 games during the Rodgers era. Okay. Uh, they were 99 and 109 against Favre, giving well, them a 47 in, in, in and a half era. win rate. In that era, there. Yes. Right. Yes. You said or, against Favre. Not against Favre. I, I, I keep saying so. We're Because we were talking about Bears teams that were better. Mm-hmm. The Bears. During the Favre era, were forty-seven point five percent win rate team yeah. against uh, in the Rodgers era. The Bears were a forty-three point three percent win rate team. So, not, a lot closer than I actually thought. Like based on that eye test, I thought the Bears were like significantly worse during pretty, the Rodgers era. Pretty lovey. I think they were pretty brutal too. But it was like ninety-nine wins to ninety-one wins in a yeah. very similar time span. So, so it's I, it's pretty close. And actually. honestly, probably equal ownership between those two. They're co-owners because the record and the difference in record would probably account for the difference in win percentage. As far as with, with Rodgers winning a couple more, but maybe being a slightly easier yeah. Bears team, yeah. makes up for it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would I close. would just call them co-owners. Co-owners, yeah, I, they're good. absolutely co-owners with their records yes. against them. Could you say like stepdads or like maybe Rogers was oh, well, a stepdad? That's a, that's a little aggressive here. Come on. <laughs> what, what? I mean, I feel like they're two. Right, all right, well, let's the two of them are strange, sort of thing right? right? I mean, <laughs> Ryan, come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, come yeah. on, Ryan. Hey, oh, all right, I'm all right. I'm taking it too far. My bad. Oh man, <laughs> this guy stepdads. <laughs> Stepdad, you. All right, what's <laughs> what? Which unproven Packers player excite you? And you have to reword the question, Ryan. What are you talking this about? Doesn't make any sense. Iron Jack poll question on Twitter. Which unproven Packers players? You only can vote for one. Okay, my, okay. I, per- I added an extra S. My, no, my this bad. is the thing now because oh, okay <laughs> because. I emailed or I texted Jesse Nelson on Saturday. I went to go listen back to Rutledge and Hamilton, the podcast on Apple, brought to you by our good friends at Revive Restoration. They sponsor that feed. Go to revivepros.com. You have water, smoke, uh, or fire damage. But I went and Alex G had misspelled Molly Brown as Molly Brow. And that, <laughs> that got under my skin a little bit here. But then Jesse Nelson told me. That Ryan Wollersheim also misspelled Molly, and I believe it was either I think she called you Molly. You typed in Molly Hamilton. Really? Did I really? Yes. <laughs> Jen wow. Hamilton might have something to say about yeah. that. Or congrats on your thruple. I don't know, but a quadruple. I don't know because obviously yeah, Molly. Molly's okay. husband's involved. Very, okay. Very I, this You've one, expanded I your family too. I did not do this one intentionally. I did not take it too far intentionally this time. So I'm just saying. Oh man! At first, I was gonna get on Jim for being like getting after semantics, but that's okay. that's a little that, that, that's pretty bad. If I mean, that's it's a pattern with you, you can know. go on to Spotify and find that podcast. <laughs> Find out why Molly's last name was Hamilton now. <laughs> there might have been some extra clicks on that. Like, what? So, which unproven Packers player excites you the most this preseason? 
Right now, 56% of you say Luke Musgrave. Second place is Devontae Wyatt at 24%, and Jaden Reed at 15%. And then 4% of Lost Souls have picked Sean Clifford. <laughs> I mean, we're hoping we don't see him at all during any regular season time. Yeah, like, what's even the point of being excited about Sean Clifford? <laughs> like, I mean, the, the excitement is if he is good and Jordan Love turns out to be not that good, maybe you can run it with Sean Clifford. There's been good quarterbacks that have been drafted late in the NFL draft. I would find that hilarious because I think I'd still Clifford would probably be more of like a Garoppolo, Tannehill type. But like you ran Aaron Rodgers well, out of town. That's what we were asking like, for, right? You that's ran what Aaron we Rodgers want as Packer fans. Right, you ran Aaron Rodgers out of town to take Jordan Love and burn that bridge all the way to the ground. And then Jordan Love, the first-round pick you traded up for, trash. But then your fifth-rounder becomes the slightly above-average quarterback that uh, Matt, Matt LaFleur has always dreamed yeah, of. Yeah, right? Like, honestly, that's how Kyle Shanahan gets his quarterbacks. What happened when they got a first-rounder? Not sure if they're going to play over Mr. Irrelevant. Right, but they, That is the Shanahan way. This well, is the no, Shanahan wait, coaching wait, wait, tree. Wait, but it's not Shanahan way. <laughs> Because I'm just, I'm just a babbling bird food, Jimmy. <laughs> I love it. Wow. But I just have to correct it a little bit. Because this was pointed out, I think I brought it up with Jason Wildey, who joins us next segment, that they tried to get Aaron Rodgers at one point, allegedly. Yeah. And they drafted Trey Lance. Now, apparently, terrible pick. They drafted him extremely high in the draft in hopes to have basically unlock the key to get some winning Super Bowls instead of getting the Super Bowls. Right. So, yes, but also... Even Sean McVay, he had Jared Goff and said, no, I need like a top-tier quarterback in Stafford to mm-hmm. actually win the Super Bowl. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. The Packers have done the reverse. They said, no, no, get out of here with Patrick Mahomes. We want Alex Smith in here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see what you're saying. They I, did the reverse. Every they, other team out there is like, all right, these guys are fine, and we can win some games. Yeah, with them. everybody wants well, an elite quarterback, but we're like, let's move on from our elite quarterback and let's get to a Super Bowl. That's a weird money. Ball. It's a money ball strategy, I guess. It there. might be. It might. And who knows? Hopefully, it works out better for the Packers than it did for Billy Bean. Well, Billy, did they get to a World Series? They never got past the ALDS, I believe. That's how the movie. I mean, that's how the movie. Well, ended, that's at not least. the end of the. Oakland A's are still a baseball team. Billy Bean's still the GM. I don't think they've been to a World Series since they had McGuire and the Smash Brothers, right? I think that was the last time. I think you're right. I, I think that's the '90s, right? I can't. I think it I, was the '90s. It was definitely the '90s. If Callan Russo was here, he'd be able to lecture us about Oakland A's uh, history. But '90 was the last time they went. Wow. And so, what's the one the championship? Series? That wasn't that. That wasn't that. That was San Francisco, right? The earthquake year. Yes, the day the series stopped. Yeah, yeah. it's a great thirty. Is that 30. the A's? Uh, yeah, that was A's. Yeah, because that was the Bay Area series. Yeah, World Series. Yeah, you're correct. Wow, Matt yeah. Hamilton, Mister MLB, completing his homework <laughs> and throwing back to some uh, baseball knowledge there, and a baseball guy, Matt Hamilton. Apparently, yeah. I'm just <laughs> just gonna keep you guys guessing all the time. Throwing seven different kinds of smoke all day. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely doing something there. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, uh, presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. Three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, Jason Wilby. I'm not in a mood for drama with my Jason. Why are you always trying to stir stuff up, Jason? Is on Rutledge and Hamilton. I don't 
don't know if I will go as far as you will. With Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton. <laughs> All right, boys. Take All right. Care, be good. <laughs> Presented by Coors Light. Jason Wildey now joins this show, Rutledge and Hamilton, and tomorrow Matt Hamilton will be joining Jason Wildey on Wildey and Tausch, and Matt doing double duty. You're still going to stay on this show. Yeah. Wow. I'm just lucky Jason. Professional. Lucky me and Jason. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Or, you know, Jason gets to understand what I work with on a regular basis. You get to host <laughs> with them about as much as I do, Jason, so that's fun. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, Ma- Matthew, thank you for your service. Way to be a great teammate and do that much radio. Uh, I'll try and let you save some of your best stuff for your time with Jim because Tausch gets very frustrated that I use all my best materials other than on Wilde and Tausch. So I know the feeling. I know the pressure you'll be under. But I know you'll come through. <laughs> so, Jason, on that note, I've I've talked to uh, Matt about this a few times because it's one of the hardest things, and I, you're a great radio host, and so you've learned this. But to it's okay to repeat yourself, and so Matt's always like, "Well, when I'm on with you, after being on with uh, like Wildy all day, like I don't want to say the same thing." And I'm like, "I love that you think that everyone's listening from 9 a.m. straight through <laughs> to five o'clock, and they know everything you said." But you are allowed to repeat yourself. Was that hard for you to kind of learn yourself there, Jason, that you can repeat yourself over a three-hour show five days a week? Yeah, I definitely think it was. And, and, you know, that's something that I still need to improve upon. So, Matt, don't beat yourself up about that either because I I still suck at it. So don't worry (laughs) about that. I would would say this. uh, One thing that we've tried to do more of is kind of circle back. And you can always say, well, if you didn't tune in – earlier oh you can check out on wisconsin on demand but then ah. we can have a similar conversation with a little bit of a twist on it even if we had something like and sometimes quite frankly we failed to get back to it. like <laughs> i thought that 90s music topic would have been really good today but you know when you have brad norton to tell his punting stories and all that kind of stuff you've got we could have done five hours today but uh instead three will have to suffice for our Fairless. Matt, you better bring some stories tomorrow because yeah. if Wildey's done with Brad, he's like, I got two more hours in me. Like, you well, better. I'll just brush up on my '90s no- music knowledge, and we'll just dive back in. How old were you, uh, Jason? He does this to me regularly. How old were you in the '90s then, Matt? Uh, one to eleven. Oh, <laughs> God. At least you're better than Molly and Alex, who I don't think were born. So there's at least that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least I was around during the 90s. Speaking of people who I don't think were born in the 90s, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Jason yes. Wildey. I haven't heard anything good or bad about him. Maybe I'm just not seeing it in my social media feeds. But is no he, news, good news. How's he doing? Yeah, Lucas Van Ness, who was barely born in the 2000s. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I mean, he's. I think he's still 20. I don't, I'm not sure he's turned 21 yet. Uh, I, look, he's... He, he looks the part. There's no doubt about it. But to be fair to Lucas, you know, this is not – there's been a few moments once they put the pads on, but, like, everyone oohed and odd when he uh, threw Josiah DeGuara. Uh, I thought it was about three yards, but depending upon who you hear the story from, he's like a superhero <laughs> from the Marvel series, and he threw him out of Rainichke Field entirely. Wow. Um, so, I, I look, he's had some moments, but – you know, it, it, until we get to games, uh, until you can actually tackle the quarterback, if you have a good pass rush, uh, I don't. I'm not sure that there's a ton that he can do to get anybody excited about him. So I, I don't think it's 
him so much as it's the position. But he has moved up the depth chart quickly. Like he started out on the third team, even though he's the first round pick. They had him with the threes, and they moved up to the twos. And now he's gotten he's still getting twos work, but he's also gotten a bunch of uh, starter reps with the number one defense, both in pass rushing situations and in the base. So. He's doing something right that they like on film, but you're right. There have not been a lot of uh, really great plays, nor have there been a lot of really bad plays that would have led to us talking about him uh, a really frequent amount of time. So I'm going to stick with a pass rush here. I'm curious about Rashawn Gary. Uh, obviously, off that, uh, unable to perform list. So he's back. Have you seen anything of his practices yet or any news on how he's doing? First of all, uh, from what I've heard, you've been on the unable to perform list a few times yourself. But um, <laughs> everybody's ego takes a shot on this show, and that's a wrap. Uh, <laughs> great talking with you. Can't wait to do three hours tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see you uh, tomorrow, Jason. <laughs> so uh, I would look. Uh, he did individual drills yesterday. That was the first thing he's done. But I have been watching him. You know, he does his rehab outside while he was still on the pup list. And he looked really good. Like, he looked quick and twitchy and explosive, powerful. Now, you know, he's crashing into bags and he's going around corners without a, a defender being in his way. It's just a tackling dummy or whatever else. So, it, it, take it for what it's worth. But, you know, and I got to give Rob Zamovsky the credit for going. I don't think he did the math. I think he just went to the day-date calculator website, but it was 274 days between the injury on November 6th and him practicing yesterday. Uh, I mean, that's it's basically nine months on the nose. Right. I mean, I was and, banking on week four coming off the the injury report. So yeah, like and, the- and Goody had told us earlier that he was ahead of schedule, so Frankly, I was thinking he'd get activated toward the end of camp. Uh, he'd be kind of playing limited snaps to start the season, and then they'd ramp him up. But, you know, and, and look, that still could happen. Because remember, they activated both Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari last year from the pup list during camp, and they practiced a fair amount. And yet Elton didn't play until week two at home against the Bears. And Bakhtiari didn't play until week three in Tampa. So they certainly held off on playing those guys, even though they activated them from the pup list during camp. I suppose that's possible here, but I, that's not what I anticipate. I, I, I think he'll be playing on opening day. It may be in a modified role, but uh, he has looked really good. And, you know, he's 25 years old, and, you know, he's healed very well. And Bakhtiari obviously was – think 29 slash 30 at the time of his injury and obviously he had some more difficult setbacks to deal with from his knee injury and that's why it took him so would this be considered a contract year for gary yes absolutely it is he's he's playing on the on the 10.9 million dollar uh fifth year option as a first round pick in 2019 but yeah he's a free agent after this season so he certainly has a fiscal motivation uh, to not only get back healthy, but get back productive. Now, you know, I think they see him, obviously, as a cornerstone player. So they were trying to go a little bit slow with him uh, just because, as Goody put it, he's got a long career ahead of him. 
and they obviously want that career to be with them. Right. So, you know, I don't think he has to come out and, you know, have a 15-sack season for them to want to pay him. Frankly, I, I would think that what they'd love to have happen is kind of like what Rodgers did in 08, uh, you know, obviously very different scenario, but Rodgers played really well in the first seven games of the 08 season, uh, and they got a contract extension done with him uh, during that. I think he signed it on, like, Halloween. Uh, I think if they could do that with Rashawn Gary, maybe get a little bit of a discount because he won't have, you know, had double-digit sacks uh, by that time, maybe they could pull that off. But they, he's clearly a player that they they have this vision, you know, of, and I don't think Preston Smith plays for this team for after this year. So, you know, their vision is they have the bookends of Rashawn Gary on one side and Lucas Van Ness on the other, and then meeting at the quarterback. Talking with Jason Wilde, you can hear him and Matt Hamilton tomorrow on Wilde and Tausch, uh, 9 to noon. Uh, you, you, we talked about this ACL return, and you mentioned his name in passing, but David Bakhtiari, it seems like they're taking it uh, kind of a modified practice plan for him. I think they just kind of know that he's a player who's got injury history, and so they're just going to do their best to mitigate the risk throughout the year? Is that the best way to describe it? I mean, what are the odds that Bakhtiari plays all the games this year? No, that's a really good way to describe it. Look, uh, Mark Tauscher is the preeminent expert on this because on one side of the coin, uh, first of all, he tore his ACL twice. Uh, but he was a guy that needed practice. Like, he'll tell you that straight up. Like, he was not the kind of guy, and he wasn't given – as much God-given talent that he could roll out of bed on Sunday morning after not doing anything and pass block, whereas Chad Clifton could, his running mate for a decade uh, on each end of that offensive line. And so Chad Clifton, who Tausch nicknamed the big Lamborghini <laughs> because you keep it in the garage all week and then you take it out for a Sunday drive. You're not taking it over to the grocery store uh, on Tuesday night and parking next to the cart corral so it can get dinged. And, uh, you know, I actually talked about this with David last season. I'm like, hey, you know, Tausch nicknamed Cliffy for his practice schedule the big Lamborghini because he would be in the garage all week. Um, It looks like that's what they're going to have to do with you to get you to Sundays. What do you want to be? And, you know, we kind of talked about a Ferrari and a Bentley and, I can't remember what he settled on. I know he's driving uh, a, like a 1997 Jeep uh, Wrangler to practice, but Sweet. <laughs> uh, you know he's going to be he's going to be on that same uh, you know kind of uh, Ferris Bueller's friend uh, Cameron's dad <laughs> <Yeah>. Ferrari <laughs> schedule, uh, and and hoping that he doesn't uh, get it dinged while he's driving in downtown Chicago in week one. Or run it backwards and out of a garage. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't yeah, know what the equivalent for that is. Very that didn't work. I always wondered why that didn't work. <laughs> Matt, do you know any of these references? Yes, I okay. do. They put it on blocks. They try and put it in reverse to get okay. the miles to go back down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right. I just, I, I te- my wife tends to be similar to that, constantly just going around having adventures. I would have bet you as the Ferris Bueller of the relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's what, that's what I mean. I've I've gotten comparisons to Ferris Bueller. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Peter as, Pan, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, you're just living yeah, the it's life. All that, all that, the fun stuff. Right, it's the fun stuff. Uh, well, Jason, as always, we appreciate the insight. I'll be uh, listening tomorrow. Yeah, I'm pumped, Jason. I can't, 
be honest. You're just listening to hear your partner to see if you can come up with ideas different from because everyone listens to five hours of radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you're hearing everything we talk about. So you can talk about different stuff. Well, exactly. I'm just, I'm just going to chastise Matt whenever he repeats himself. So I just want to have it already. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. Thanks, Jason. Uh, that was Jason Wilde. You can listen back to Wisconsin on the Man, Apple, Spotify, and those great places. Another great place is Canopy Wealth Management. They take the time to truly get to know and understand the dynamics of your values, goals, and plans for your family. No family fits your generic mold. Neither should your financial plan. At Canopy, their clients' financial goals are something they're constantly striving to help reach maximum potential, which is why they work solely in your best interest. You define your goals. They work hard towards making them happen with comprehensive financial planning. Go to canopy-wealth.com to get started with them today. That's canopy-wealth.com. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light.